Hey everyone, welcome back to this week's episode. So my guest this week, it's a it's a pretty cool listen. I mean, I got to talk to her a while back, and I'll mention at the top of that one that I interview a lot of coaches lately, and that's true, but I think everyone just brings a unique point of view. So she's from Bristol, England. I've actually been over to Bristol because I have good friends who live there. It's a great city. It's a really fun, like, small city on the coast in England, so it's pretty cool to have someone from a different part of England than where I live, but she is definitely a planner, and she gets into that, and we talk about all kinds of things. I think this is gonna just be a conversation that anyone will get something out of, because we talk about the importance of telling one's own story and listening to others' stories, and that's what More Than Work is partly about, and just I've had some really cool interactions lately just in sharing my story or hearing from other people. So you'll definitely want to hear about that. Dealing with imposter syndrome, how to find your purpose. I just I think it's really cool. She lives in her own truth. Um, communication is a core value of hers. I think communication, I don't know about other people, but for me, communication at work and in my personal life is one of the most important things. I think if you communicate well, you can have very difficult conversations, you can have very fun conversations, you can do all of it, and you can have really just better relationships with people. So it it was cool to talk to her and to get to know her a little bit, get to know about the company she's built and how she got there. She's really open and shares a lot, and so I like that I got really a personal story from her and that she's taken time to reflect on and then took time to share. So I hope that you enjoy this. I'm going to keep it short at the top this week. If you can review, that helps me. That would be great. If you can follow the podcast, review it, rate it. So rating is when you pick the stars, but review is when you write a review. I'd really appreciate that. Listeners in the UK, I know this will only (laughs) be a message that lasts for a certain amount of time, and you could be listening to this years from now, but Um, I'll be doing Camden Fringe and Brighton Fringe. So Camden Fringe is in August. So come out and see my comedy there. It gets pretty autobiographical in this one person show. But thanks everyone for listening and let's, let's go. Welcome to More Than Work, the podcast reminding you that your self-worth is defined by more than your job title. I'm Rabia, an IT project manager, comedian, nonprofit volunteer, and sometimes activist. Every week, I'll chat with a guest about pursuing passions outside of work or creating meaningful opportunities inside the workplace. As you listen, I hope you'll be inspired to do the same. Here we go. You may have noticed lately that I've had a few coaches on this show. I think coaches of different types are really great for more than work just because they are people who have found a way to be fulfilled in their life and help other people. But also they usually came to being a coach by some interesting path. So this week I have personal development coach Tammy, who's in Bristol, UK. Hey, how's it going? Oh, wonderful. Everything is good with me. And just like you said there, working with different coaches, they all have a different story. And you're right. It's almost like they've gone through a massive change of some sort. And they've leveraged it to take them on a new journey. And they help other people see that path. And it is beautiful. Everyone has a different story. It's how you use it. 
and who you take on that journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Because when I first started the podcast, I wasn't thinking I'd be talking to so many coaches. But then, and I, you know, I still am, I look at who it is and if they're messaging and whatever, and their story, because if it's someone who just at age 20 was like, I'm going to coach people and they've never, they haven't done anything <laughs> like lived or whatever, then it's hard for me to say, oh yeah, I'm going to go to a 20 year old who lives at their mom's and is still figuring out what they want to do and get advice from them. But then when I look at the other coaches I'm, I've talked to, some are focused on leadership, some are focused on personal development, some are focused on relationships. It's all different people. Yeah. It really becomes this interesting group of people who are really just offering what they've learned and they're getting fulfilled by offering that. Yeah. And I wonder if there's like a missed group of people who are sat there thinking, oh, I have a story, but I'm just too afraid to say something. Like what credibility do I have? Mm -hmm. And actually, they would be great for your podcast. It'd be phenomenal. Everyone has a story and you may yep. not fully understand it. Do you know, actually podcasting is almost like therapy. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> talk, uh, you see where it goes and something will come out of it. So if you're sat there going, oh, I have a story, but I don't know what to say, just go for it. Just talk about yep. it. There will be some golden nuggets and someone will be listening and thinking, oh, that's what I needed to hear. Yep. Someone out there is just like me and they are finding X, Y, and Z to get from where they are. And some might work, some might not work, but it's just a beautiful journey for all of us. Mm -hmm. I agree. I mean, I've had a couple, you know, and you have a podcast and we'll talk about that for sure, but you have to figure out who should be on. And when you're first starting out, you have to find people. And so I've had a couple friends on who I think didn't even realize how amazing I thought they were, but they are. They're like, oh, I don't know what I would talk about, or I'm not that interesting. And it's like, two things. One, the hosts should then figure that out and try to make you interesting <laughs> if you're not. But two, you probably are. And you're right. Like to me, the power of the story shows up in different ways. There's the whole idea of the testimony in Christianity and people tell their testimony in evangelicals. Cause I was involved in that a long time ago. Like in college, I was taught all this and it didn't resonate with me eventually, but like there's the testimony or there's like, you know, if you're in certain kind of groups like support groups, your story matters. And in real life, your story matters. But people don't realize that telling their story matters that much. But they are always impacted by stories. So mm -hmm. I agree. Either tell your story on a podcast or do your own thing, but tell it. Yeah, absolutely. Or there, there's something there and they're somewhat normalizing it. I remember a lady I spoke to who said to me, oh, do you have family problems? And I thought, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> Everyone does. We have bizarre stories. So I gave her a, a flavor, although my family is very fruitful. <laughs> so they're great. <laughs> and she was like, oh, I've just never spoken to anyone about it. I thought we couldn't talk about it. It was almost like shame. And it's like, why? Mm. I didn't realize there's another side that there is a story there, but they're almost like locking it away, not mm. opening up that box because of shame or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. But underneath it, there, there is a story and that would inspire yeah. someone or it could inspire yourself. Just open up that box, talk to someone and it will lead somewhere forward better than where you are. Yeah, it's that whole idea of like living in your truth, right? Like oh, yeah. the, when you're hiding things, whatever they are, you're not. I mean, it's not possible to be fully present. You're maybe always worried that story is going to get out or you're going to 
expose yourself or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and if it's, and maybe it's by crying at a show that no one else is crying at. Like, actually I always cry at the end of modern family, which is a funny show, but there's always this bow they put around it. And it's usually like the dad being super nice. And I just start crying. You know, I mean, there's ways that we'll show ourselves anyway, but I do agree. That's interesting. That lady had that epiphany with you. That's really special because she felt safe enough with you to do that too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I wonder what happened at home when she spoke to her husband of, oh, actually, there's other people out there that have lots going on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and family stories, like we could probably start a podcast on that, just <laughs> you and I, I bet. <laughs> just be like, hey, so anyone else? <laughs> I have a list. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny and not. It'd be like, why are they laughing at that? That's really... <laughs> That's not funny. <laughs> yeah, we'll have someone knocking on the door to just lock us away. Like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, these two bonded. Oh, that's crazy. So so let's talk about you, though. You didn't start out as a coach. So what did you start out doing? Oh, my, yeah. If you look at my um, LinkedIn page, mm-hmm. you would have never have guessed that I would go down the route of personal development coaching. I didn't. I'm a planner. Right. I had a plan for my entire life. I was thinking about my retirement. When would I have children? Like My plan was in depth. And I even took my plan to my manager once. And I said, if I'm going to get this done, I need this here and that there. And he just laughed at me because it was just so thorough. And it's not often that people have it all broken down. But what I didn't have in my plan was that I would become a coach. Mm-hmm. And my story is really bizarre. I think it is a little bizarre. But there is a lesson for everyone, no matter where you are on your journey. So I'll start from the beginning of kind of where it all began. And feel free to just stop at any point. So like as a child, I had a burning desire to be the best I could be. I'm not entirely sure what triggered that. But what I did know is that the city I lived in was quite toxic. There was always someone moaning about something traffic someone else's business you know Mm -hmm. so and so said this it's gossip culture and uh, if there was any developments done in the city you'd moan about it and it's like we want growth and you want people and you want business but you don't want development and it was just really bizarre Mm -hmm. and as a child I just knew it wasn't right for me and my mum she's so busy she loves to be on the go it's what's familiar to her but as a child, I felt the lack of like full love that I needed to flourish. She had great intentions, don't get me wrong. You know, she just wanted to provide for us, you know, make sure we had the nicest clothes and experiences from life. So I don't think that it was a intentional thing. Uh, but I needed more love as, as a child. And I, I remember at the age of about 14, I just said, no more. I don't want to be like this. I want to be something else. And that drive pushed me to just try things, Mm -hmm. things that I was scared of. I'll just go for it. I'd hurt myself (laughs) a lot of the time. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of stars. (laughs) But it was good for me. I wasn't bubble wrapped. And that Mm. kind of like taught me to go for the things that I want to achieve. However, I had bad habits. So I left home, went to university and had a boyfriend, and I treated him poorly. 
Like, I was nasty. Mm. I couldn't see that. It was like my normal. I was really lazy. I didn't want to clean up. And I was overweight and getting worse. And then mm. I didn't have the energy to get up off the sofa. And I was binge watching TV. And just got myself into a bit of a pickle. <laughs> but I still had that burning desire. It was still there. Yeah. Bigger and greater. And it wasn't until I had my heart broken for the third time. And what would happen, those boyfriends leading up to the final one, they left me. They, they we were living together and they left. And that feeling to walk into your home and you know something's wrong. You're like, oh, I've got you know, all this space, it's quite clean in here. Like, what's going on? And, and yeah. it's like, oh, no, their stuff has gone. That that sinking feeling, just awful place to be in. But that was my wake-up call. Mm. It was really, okay, Tammy, you want a great career and you're working on this, but there's more to work. There's everything else. There's your health. Mm-hmm. There's the relationships I have with myself. I lacked self-care. And the discipline, uh, the way I would communicate with people, I was uh, carrying that negative attitude with me. I was quite mean. Mm. And uh, yeah, so it was just my wake up call to say, okay, you need to change. But where do you start? You know, that's quite a big job to change everything. And I did the usual thing that everyone else does when you're heartbroken, you almost lack self worth, you're not good enough. And I started going to the gym. I was like, right, well, I have to just change my body. Clearly, mm-hmm. that's what it is. It's my body that's the problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So this heartbreak, severe pain drove me to the gym and I started new habits there. And I thought I had it fixed. I even then went on to dating loads of guys, loads mm-hmm. at once. And uh, I thought that would bring me happiness. I can tell you now, if anyone's doing that right now, you're dating multiple people, it's actually more damaging than good. Yeah. Self-worth decreases even more it's like a temporary fix like the instant gratification i was like oh i got a text message oh they want me mm-hmm. but overall no i was just destroying my soul a little bit more and i i then started to focus on my career so this is where it then changed and how it then connects the dots i found a job that was in b2b i've always wanted to go into like the business world away from mm-hmm. consumer and i have a skill in sales so i thought okay you can make loads of money in sales. Let's go down that route. And so I did. And I progressed that role, the first major role, within 18 months and moved to Samson Electronics. Mm-hmm. But I had leaped 10 years in my career. So I'm 25, going into their enterprise team. Everyone is at least 10 plus years older than me. Mm-hmm. so the imposter syndrome was immense it's like oh god what am I doing here I'm gonna fail they don't believe me or I don't have credibility and trust so I cut my hair <laughs> like, this is what a lady looks like that's got authority and I would wear the blazer and like, I would dress the part I was like you will respect me <laughs> it was like that <laughs> but to demand that respect I was thinking well I need to be on my best performance Mm -hmm. and that's when I really came to realize that personal development would help me get there 
there's many different things that they would say is like soft skills. So like your communication style, your time management, well, just various different aspects to it, your mindset and so on. And so I was really practicing that in an environment that pushed me. Mm-hmm. And still that burning desire is there. And I just grew faster than like anyone else that I knew, like my friendship circles. It was a beautiful journey for me. And as much as there was a lot of struggles, there was a lot of growth. Trying to do presentations. Oh, my God. My heart mm-hmm. was racing. I felt the fear. Every time I was going to present, I was thinking, well, how do I get out of this? I'm, I'm about to go on stage. I'm like, okay, maybe I said someone's injured. Maybe I've got a text from the family to say I've got to go home or something. <laughs> I, I was thinking of all the things to not go up on that stage. Yeah. The second's counting down, my heart's racing. But the thing is, I pushed myself. I felt the fear. I just did it anyway. Taught myself that as a kid, you can continue doing that as an adult, except for you probably bruise your ego a little bit more <laughs> as an adult. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so that just grew. Fast forward like another five years, redundancy struck. And I was left in the same situation as anyone else. You, at first, it's almost like you blame yourself, you're not good enough, mm-hmm. you failed you know, all those emotional thoughts and and, uh, how I really felt about it. It took me maybe a month of wallowing, eating Smarties, (laughs) (laughs) I hate life. Um, (laughs) But within that silence, I was trying to work out what should I do. But the whole career ladder would suggest you go to the next best role. Mm-hmm. And so I looked at my CV and I applied for Facebook, Google, Amazon, Salesforce, so all the big players out there. And I was getting all the interviews. So my CV is phenomenal. I mm-hmm. know for sure if I got one of those roles, I would accelerate because I built up all these skills. Mm-hmm. But I didn't like technology, not really. Right. To the extent that I'd wake up in the morning and read the latest trends or what's the industry doing, watching maybe something on YouTube or podcasts. There was nothing to do with technology. And I think that's what the interviewers could see in me that I couldn't. But I still had this whole, well, you can do this, Tammy. Just change your approach. What have you learned? And and I'd evaluate and then I'll plan again then I'll go for the next interview. But it wasn't for like three or four months of constant interviewing that I realized maybe I'm not the same as 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Like we do evolve yeah. pace, particularly from making my decision at, so I left university at 21. So that decision then to now 29, well, I, I could be different. <laughs> there's, a, there's a good chance that yeah. I've changed. And so I thought about just, you know, taking a step back and reevaluating. What's my passions? And everyone says this. You find your purpose. What's your passions? Oh. Mm. And so you're like, oh, how do I do that? And I think the way you do it is you just be silent. Be silent and sit in your stillness. Lockdown's been great for that. We've been forced to slow down. And I was really happy when I first heard about lockdown. I thought this is a beautiful journey for everyone because they'll evaluate what they really want. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used a little tool. I made a tool for myself. And uh, this is a tool now that I actually sell as a service. It helps you find your passion, your vision for the future. Mm-hmm. And within that, I realized 
that it was personal development that got me so far. Yeah. The skills that I taught myself. That's why I knew whatever job I would go for, I would get it done and I would do it so well. But it was personal development that was getting me there, not the technology passion. Mm-hmm. When I wake up in the morning, I want to learn about personal development. Right. It was in my face. Like it was so obvious, but it wasn't because I was doing the normal thing that society tells us. Mm-hmm. And it was that wake up call of, okay, just change careers. It's okay to go down a different path. And people would say to me, why would you do that? Just keep going for these big roles. But in my heart, I just knew that it was okay to start again and reduce my income. It massively took a hit. And then invest. So then I was investing more money. So all this money was just going everywhere. Mm. It was the right thing to do. And it felt, I felt more alive doing that than what I was doing before. Yeah. That, I mean, that all makes sense. And I think the, there was a lot there to kind of, I guess, I hate to (laughs) use the term unpack, but I guess we can unpack it. Yes. So. We haven't gone on trips lately, so I guess it'll be our first unpacking in a while, right? But like, <laughs> but no, I mean, it's interesting, and especially just thinking about, first of all, like the financial hit, like, because we are all told that, like, our next job, first of all, I think whoever's listening that works in a corporate environment type of thing, you know that the way to get the biggest raise is to move to the next job. It's not at your current company. Like, yeah. that's what everyone's told. And then also like, we're always trying to move up. So every year we get reviewed, whatever. And the goal is to get a promotion of some sort or to get a raise or something. Yeah. But if you're not fulfilled by the job, then like at some point you don't care. And I have a, a couple friends who, cause I'm like, you know, 40, a lot of my friends were in our early forties and I've had a couple friends who either decided to step back and take a lower role at their next Mm -hmm. job, which was hard to convince a company like, no, I really want less responsibility. I don't want the money anymore. Or they've just chosen to stay in their position because they have other stuff they want to do. They want the salary and keep working, but they don't want to move up anymore. Cause like once you get to like a director level, you can be a VP. Well, that means you're getting phone calls on Saturday and Sunday, and you don't want that or something, right? Yeah. To me, there's something about going against the norm and saying, you know what? No, like I'm not, I don't know, I'm not doing that. And how do you feel about that? And I mean, you talk to a lot of people. So do mm-hmm. you see that mindset come across that, yeah, I have to get a promotion, but then I really don't want one anymore kind of thing? Yeah, interestingly, I, I do because I work with people that overwork themselves. They have mm-hmm. that high achiever spirit. And they are caught up in the grind of the next big thing. This, this success is the whole mentality, but they link success to work. Whereas I educate them on success is more than work. It's whatever mm. you want it to be. And there's a way of deciding that and being content with it. Because that's the thing. It's how you feel about it. If you're constantly around people that say to you, oh, you know, how's work going? And it's all, always about work you know, what's the next big thing for you? Then they're constantly finding ways to improve it. But that's maybe not what they want. Mm-hmm. That they've done years of work and they want to spend time with their family. It's okay to change that. It's just knowing what are you sacrificing? Because there is a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. When these like, you know, gurus say you can have it all. 
I can somewhat understand why they would say that. But there is a long journey to having it all. You have to change lots of habits and behaviors and beliefs before you even get there. So really focus in on the things that you really want. So I always choose two top things per year. And the categories are wealth, health, family, friends, romance, fun and recreation, work. So they're the top categories. And so you choose your top two. So you go, okay, well, this year is all about my health and it's all about my family. Yes, you still work. That still has to happen. Mm -hmm. You're still doing the other things, but they're not your like primary focus. And so go to town on those two things. And then that way you can build up those better habits and behaviors and belief systems around them. And it will give you that chance to realize what you're missing out on. So like family, what I realized is that there was this one summer I was a student and I decided for whatever reason that I would work every single day for the whole summer. Mm. And I thought this would be great. If I keep working, I'll have all this money. Very short-sighted. So I did it. And what I realized is that I missed summer. I missed Mm -hmm. all those activities with my friends. So I was sacrificing my life enjoyment. And I thought I'm never doing that again. That was a stupid idea. Short-sighted. The following year, I decided to go to America for two months. So I have this money now, so I'm going to do that. But then there were other things sacrificed and it's fine, but do what is, do what you want. If it's spend more time with the family, spend more time with the family. If you just want to be still, then be still. You don't have to be in your work every single day. Mm -hmm. You can take that time back or adjust the environment you're in. So I really feel for people that are in the legal industry, because that's a big beast. That's a culture that I'm not sure can be really changed. Mm -hmm. Because it's all about deadlines, paperwork. There's a lot of pressure. Of course, there's pressure because you need to make sure you get it right. And you have to be very uh, factual within that. But the whole, like, deadlines... They could be working until ridiculous time at night, getting yeah. up really early. Like that industry is very much work. Mm-hmm. Living your life is difficult. And if you're really struggling there, then it might be you need to change careers. Because what are you losing? One, you're losing your sleep. Yeah. You're losing your sleep. You're probably grouchy. You're probably snapping at your other half. You're probably not eating well. It has a knock-on effect. Mm-hmm. So if you don't want that anymore then choose an environment that's better for you. And be comfortable with that decision. People will say, oh, my favorite one, uh, why don't you get a real job? (laughs) (laughs) For that. And I appreciate that's coming from a good place. But what you're saying to me is that I don't have a real job right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm wasting my time and I should go back into the corporate system. That's what you're saying to me. But that's not what I really want for myself. I like the freedom. I love working on projects that are really challenging and I love connecting with people from all over. And I would rather that than being in the corporate space. So it's funny. I interviewed a guy this week and I don't know what order these podcasts will be up on. So it'll be there before or after this. So he's an immigrant. His family immigrated to Canada from Vietnam. And so he's first generation that was living most of his life in Canada. And he said one thing that he's recognized is that he has the freedom and privilege to be able to choose any job he wants. So he can be like a barista. He can be 
whatever, like any kind of service job, he can do what he's doing, which is CEO of a company and he, or he can go apply anywhere. And that really has resonated with me over and over because that's a privilege, right? Mm. To be able to do that, that we can all do. And like, even cause I was thinking that too, like in theory, yeah, I can quit. Now I'll, I'll lose my visa, but I can quit and go back to the U S and I can go work at anywhere. I don't have to stay in this. And some people have no choice about what they do. And so the fact that we have a choice and then we do choose is almost honoring that to me, you choosing to get out of the sales grind. Well, you're still doing sales, I guess, but like in a different way, it's for a product and service that you believe in that you created versus a product that you didn't create that you don't really care much about. That to me is almost honoring that choice and I don't know. So I see it differently than get a real job. How do you feel about me saying that, I guess? <laughs> you are spot on. What I was gaining in my previous career was all the things like my values. I love communicating with people. I love building relationships. I love hosting. So I was satisfying the things that lit me up, but mm-hmm. there was a disconnect to the product and service. And I think that is a, a challenge large corporates have because someone would have been passionate about it once upon a time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And as it's fed down, as much as they talk about the vision, the mission, and they try and bring this team morale, it's not the same when you're fully responsible for something and it's, you know, your deep why, when you're fully connected to it, it's something else. But I didn't understand that until I went through the journey. Mm -hmm. Pressure was on me and I was doing something that I totally believed in. So it was beautiful to see that happen. But I wouldn't know how to even help others to realize that in the moment because I didn't realize it. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what someone would have to say to me to make me wake up from it. Mm, Yeah. The challenging one. Yeah. Well, there's that saying, um, we change when it becomes too painful to stay the same, basically. There was some saying like that. I, I think one thing I like to drive home to people because really this podcast is about sharing the stories and then hopefully inspiring others to to find their why, I guess, is your mm-hmm. kind of to use your how you put it. And you know, I think that like people can go to a coach and it's the same. They can go to the gym, go to a personal trainer, they can go to therapy, they can go wherever to get guidance. But unless they're willing to make the change and they're ready to make the change, it doesn't matter who they're talking to. Like even now in your job, I don't think you could, if I went to you with a, and said, I need this. And then you gave me all the tools and I didn't use them. Then it doesn't matter. There's a responsibility of the person to also be ready to make the change and to, you know, and then it's find the person and the tools that help you the most. That's how I see it. I can't change unless I'm willing to at that point you know mm-hmm. yeah well there's because I used to believe the same thing and I, I seen Tony Robbins earlier this year mm-hmm. yeah times are blur at the moment so I had the belief that people won't change unless they want to change yeah and Tony Robbins explains that's not true you can help someone change if you get leverage mm. what is it that wakes them up to move forward, to catapult them. That can be done through through having those difficult conversations that most people shy away from because they're scared that maybe their friend will reject them or something. Mm-hmm. So we're not having these real conversations. 
of like, what the hell are you doing? You know, this is awful behavior. And this is yeah. what happened or whatever it is that's happening. And I got some examples of that that we could share in just a moment. But anyway, let's go back to this uh, Tony Robbins and change. And he said, okay, you need the leverage and the leverage can either come from pain or pleasure. That's how the mind works. The vast majority of us come from pain. So in my case, my pain was that the third boyfriend left me. The pain hurt. I can feel it. Like all my senses, I can remember the room that I was in, the color of the wallpaper, the soft furnishing that I had because it was raw. And uh, that was my catapult. But it doesn't have to be that way. Most of the time it is. You could be pulled towards pleasure, but this would only really work for those that want to be proactive about it. Yeah. And it's like, "Mm, do you want to be proactive? But the (laughs) the way you can be pulled by pleasure is knowing what you really want for yourself. And this is where my coaching comes in. That's really like spot on because we look at the vision for your future. Like I said, I'm a planner. I didn't realize that was my like superpower. And it was a thing that made me do some great work. Like I pushed myself beyond what most people would do at my age, which is why my career was like phenomenal. And this whole visioning to the detail, like your deeper why and how it all connects from all levels, how your decisions in your health connects to your um, friendships, how do your uh, relationships with your family connects to your wealth. Like these things seem really bizarre to put together. But once you go into the detail, like you can smell it, taste it, hear it, feel it, using all of your senses, you're pulled towards it. You know you can have these things. You just need to break them down into Mm. bite-sized chunks and being very clear and understand that this whole you can have it all, it's said with good intentions, but be very focused. Like what I said earlier about just pick the two things and go to town on it because it will have a ripple effect. So focus on that. You'll grow in those areas. And then the following year, maybe New Year's resolutions is when you do it. You then pick the next two. And that way you just flourish, but you need to know what you're going after in the first place. And then you you use pleasure as your driver. You don't have to wait for severe pain to move you forwards. That's the more proactive and the healthier way of doing it. So it can be done. Yeah, and defining the all as specific things, like all being like when, because I think that's a thing that's difficult is like you can have it all. So like, okay, so I have money, I have I don't know what this is what people think all is, right? So I have money, I have the perfect family, I have the perfect job, I have the perfect house, I have the perfect car, whatever. Mm-hmm. Is that all? I mean, and that's not all for everybody. So like you have exactly. to define it for yourself. And I like the idea of choosing two things. And I think friends I've seen online who make the biggest changes choose something. Yeah. And they go, This is my year of health, or this is my year of Yes. And then people kind of go, oh, they're being so cheesy. They also saw the change while you were busy criticizing them and making fun of them. (laughs) What was happening? I think the focus thing is a good way to look at it. Mm -hmm. And like you said about that perfect, it's perfect at different stages in your life. So my 10 year plan now, my vision is is broken Mm -hmm. down in 10 years just because we feel more connected 10 years. My 10 years, little does my boyfriend know, but I would like (laughs) to think about children at some point in that time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm 30 now. So Mm -hmm. before I'm 40, there'll be children. So my decisions 
and me having it all is going to look differently. So I would be investing more now into my career because I'm building something from scratch and uh, I need the wealth that comes from it to be able to bring children into the world to Mm -hmm. support them. And so what my time would look like is that more is invested in work now, but closer to having children, I will be reducing my time down. Maybe I'd only be doing part-time work. And when my children um, are here, I would have a business that runs like clockwork so I don't have to do anything. Maybe I do a team call once a week. So I'm only working one hour a week because it's important to me to be present with my children. I have the financial wealth. I have the time and I have the energy. That's the most important to me. I have the energy to give to them. So even down mm. my body now, the reason why I go to the gym is because I have this vision of being at the pool um, at some sort of resort, a sunny day, and I'm able to throw my children into the air. I've got the energy yeah. and they're like, more. And I'm like, okay, cool, throw you. And then I've got other parents' children coming over to me, you know, going, can you throw me? And I'm like, yeah, let's all have fun in the pool because I've got the energy to be in the pool. And I'm not exhausted by work that I need to sit on the sun lounger. And I don't criticize anyone. It's just not the way I want my life to be. Mm -hmm. I want to be fully present with my kids and I want the energy. So I'm making my decisions now so that when it comes to it, I'm in the right state to be the best I can be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, and that makes good sense. And it's good to look at it and not, because I think the illusion is that like, again, you can do it all. You can be fully present everywhere and you can't I'm single I don't have kids or anything but even like you know I call my mom and then she's caught me before not being fully present there because she'll say something it's so bad I mean this is like I luckily she said she's gonna binge listen to all these one day and I, I believe her but then she'll get to this and be like oh yeah I caught you one day I asked her something and she's like I just told you that and I just didn't you know I wasn't there because I was typing or doing something else and it was awful. And I felt so awful about that. But it's true. You cannot be fully present in two places at once. Yeah. That's, it's impossible. Yeah. And maybe your mom will forgive you for it. And maybe if it's your kids or your partner or something, at some point, someone won't, you know, mm-hmm. they'll just be like, well, you're not here for me. You know, that's why I felt the way with my mom. She wasn't there. She was yeah. busy serving other people. And I was like, can you serve me? <laughs> Please <Yeah>. love me. <laughs> <laughs> But that's what it was, you know, she was doing the best that she could do. And her busy was just to bring in the money, but we weren't able to have deep connection. And I found this stat recently because I was was trying to work out what is the impact of us wasting time, Mm. all these distractions that we have and we're constantly working. What is the real impact? What will make people wake up? And I, it's actually quite hard to find the research spent hours but there was this one stat that stood out to me so parents have less than 30 seconds deep meaningful conversations with their children per day less than 30 seconds I thought no that's not real that's not and I tried to like plan out in my head and you know think of friends and family that um, have children because I don't and I was thinking oh of course they and to be fair they they wake up they're trying to do the breakfast get themselves Mm -hmm. ready you know, brush your teeth, kids, brush out, got to get out of the door. Off they go to school, do the school drop, probably like tooting, like, ah, traffic. Then you get to work, so you're doing your work. Then you got to get the kids, you get them home, they run round, 
you're trying to cook dinner for them because they're really hungry right now. And so mm-hmm. you're right doing that. Partner gets home. You're then cooking your own dinner. Kids, pajamas, bed. Let's have a little mm-hmm. cuddle. Maybe the kid reads a book or, or they read the book to the kid, whichever way they're doing it. Go to sleep. I thought, actually, mm-hmm. yeah, that would make sense. When do they have that deep, meaningful conversation? Because if they're not sat at the table, uh, if that's the thing that you do, and having a, well, what did your day look like today? You know, what's going on with school? How are you feeling? Like rich conversations. You wouldn't really have time for no, it. No, it's really hard. I mean, I think it's, I like have a lot of empathy for people who have that life because it's hard. And then, you know, and that uh, I'm sure at some point they feel guilty about it. Right. Yeah. And that's even worse mm-hmm. because then it's like, now it's like, well, you can't change, you can't change it through guilt. Yeah. You know, at all. It's just, and so, yeah, I mean, that's really hard, but I believe that stat. I, I do wonder too, like just, I mean, I've done a thing lately where I'll just have my phone sitting at my desk when I'm working. And right now I, I don't have it. I have all notifications off because we're having a conversation and my phone's on my bed, like, cause I just live in a studio. So my bed's next to my desk, but I just, put my phone like sometimes I'll throw it onto my bed you know I just hope I don't throw it too hard one day because I'm not violently throwing it but just putting it aside because <laughs> it's just the constant notifications and stuff it pulls me away and I can't get anything done because I'm constantly like oh what's going on oh Instagram that's probably nothing it's clubhouse is the new one that's just pinging you constantly and so I think those things distract us too so much but once you're aware of, that's the thing, guilt is a funny emotion. And I'm going to do some research on it. My boyfriend said to me, it's a, it's a pointless emotion, but there's got to be a reason for it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so it, it's all like guilt. You, I think it's something to do with like an expectation you put on yourself. And because you haven't done that thing, that's why you then have the guilt and it consumes you. Mm-hmm. Whereas my boyfriend said to me, he's like, well, okay, you can feel the guilt, but recognize you did something that you didn't really want to do and you may not have been fully conscious of it. And that's fine. It happens. That's mm-hmm. life. We have our different wake up calls. But once you've learned your lesson, do something about it. Like learn it. You don't need the guilt mm-hmm. anymore. Fix the problem. So if you're now realizing and you're listening to this podcast, you're like, okay, I am that parent running around. It's a, well, what can I do about that? Maybe it's a, you have um, bulk meals. So when the kids come home from school, they have their not full meal. It's snack. It's something mm-hmm. to keep them going until your partner's home. And then you have that family time around the table, and that becomes your thing. It's no more are we having two separate dinners. It's one. We can integrate this small change into our family, and mm-hmm. we will ask questions to one another and teach our children to communicate and have rich conversations. It's like, There's just something that you can do about it. It's just finding ways to um, chunk things together. Is it Mm -hmm. the meal doing that together? Is it if you're, I don't know, doing errands, uh, maybe you have to go to the post office daily. Could it be you chunk that with running the kids to school and it becomes the one thing? And while you're there, you might as well run back home because you wanted to get some fitness in. Mm -hmm. You can bring things together and that will save you some time. And once you have that time, what do you want to spend it on? Is it about having those deep, richer conversations? Is it about being still? Like, what is it? And make that your intention. It can be done. Break it down Mm -hmm. into small chunks. Make it easier for yourself. As change is not not easy. If it was, everyone would be doing it. But it all comes back to awareness. 
If you know there's a problem, don't allow the guilt to consume you. Find a solution. Mm-hmm. Then do the solution. Yeah. Yeah. And then it once you do it, it just becomes easier to yeah. kind of deal with it. And then if you find a solution and it doesn't work, then find the next one. There's a, it's experimentation yeah. to see what works. I think one theme I got from everything you were saying is the idea of not being enough. Mm-hmm. That kind of hit multiple times. And I think that's something a lot of people feel. Does that still creep in? No, not at all. No, I don't have that feeling anymore. The reason why, and I've managed to figure it out, when we start to feel not enough, we are performing for someone else. Hmm. It's usually things like society, social norms, career ladder, have the baby, have the house, have this one relationship with your lover because there's only one soulmate out there. God forbid (laughs) that you have another, you know, it's these like really ridiculous standards that we all fall into Mm -hmm. and get consumed by. And if we're not fulfilling ourselves, whatever that thing means to you. So to one person, it's all about their career. Fine. That's what they want. To the next person, it's about family. Neither of them is more important than the other. But this whole success mentality, it would suggest the person in work is the more successful. So knowing what your fulfillment is and owning that is the first place, because then you don't need to follow social norms to have that worth. I'd also say it's expectations. There's the ones you put on yourself, whatever identity that you have, I don't know, it could be you're trying to be a people pleaser. You're supposed to say yes to everyone because maybe that's what you've been taught or it could be expectations from other people. So it could be family expectations like (laughs) be the doctor your parents always wanted. Yeah, Yeah, or be the lawyer. You can't be anything else. An engineer, they're the top ones. And so you do the things that other people want for you. And this is noisy. And then you have the promoter. And I call the promoter the news channel. They always have something they want to push down your throat. Usually clickbait. So you keep reading whatever the headline is and get you hooked. It could be the latest trends, the new trainers. I don't know what's out there these days. Mm. Usually consumption stuff, Xbox gadgets, those things. And then you've got like fads and it's usually diets. There's a diet every year. What about veganism right now, but next year will be something else. So this is really confusing. And when you're following all this noise, you're further disconnecting yourself from what you want and you're playing a role for society. Once you're aware of it, it's almost like you build up this space of, well, I'm going to live my truth. And if someone projects their views on you, like, oh, you're 30 now, Tammy, you should be having children. There's a belief that beyond 35 or around 30, you will really struggle to have children. But science is showing different things. If I wasn't so aware of what I wanted, the future I want for my children, the energy that I want, the finances, if I wasn't aware of that, I probably would just do it. Because that's what people want me to do. And that means, oh, I'm accepted by society now. But I know my future. I know my vision. And it's like, thank you for that information. And I know they mean well. Thank you. But I'm not going to take that into my belief system. I'm Mm -hmm. going to do the things that I want. 
when there's a new pair of trainers out there, it's like, cool, thanks. I've got a pair. <laughs> and they're doing <laughs> fine. <laughs> I'm not getting caught up in all this noise. And I live my truth and I'm comfortable with it, even if other people are not comfortable. So I'm not built like you. You know, I was never meant to be you. I am me. And I'll go this mm-hmm. way. Just being sure. Mm-hmm. And still in yourself. Yeah. No, that's great. So I want to read something to you that you wrote and then just kind of, if that's okay, and then get your reaction. I think this really sums up kind of what I'm getting from you anyway. So these are Tammy's words, people listening. My joy comes from empowering myself and others, giving people the tools to find the light in their own lives. I want to help people lean into their best selves and discover their joy through living mine. Is that basically the best conclusion you came to through all this? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, like we said earlier, everyone has a story. And uh, when we open up and share that and have different perspectives, we each grow on the back of it. We may not choose the same path. That's absolutely fine. We can go slightly Mm -hmm. different ways, but we can inspire each other to just keep moving forwards to the future that we want. And that's what I mean through the joy Mm-hmm. fully living life and loving it. So are you're still learning though, I assume, right? Like, are you incorporating different things as you pick them up or, you know, yeah. and do you think that's just part of it is just being open to learning? Yeah. So the way I see it is life is an evolution. You don't have the end destination. What happens is that it will just evolve. So my 10 year vision, when I achieve that, it will look different because my standards mm-hmm. will be different. You know, I'll be having new habits and behaviors, new routines by then, so I can add to it that's going to serve me. And we'll have a different environment. I might be in a different country. There'll be a different culture mm-hmm. altogether. So I might be learning about that. Or we might have new technology around us. That keeps growing. God yeah. knows what we're going to see. So it's about understanding there's no end destination it's about growth it's about enjoying the ride and adapting yes being open to learn because that's how you adapt Mm -hmm. i've been subscribing to your newsletter and just knowing this chat was coming up and we scheduled this a little while back so i've followed you quite a bit now in, in your facebook group and everything and which i encourage people to to seek out but one thing i noticed with you And this was striking because I find British people to be pretty passive, honestly. I've been here about a year now. I'm working with more people over here. And as an American who we're kind of just will say things, I find a lot of British people don't. But your emails are pretty blunt and you're pretty much just going to state things. Do you know what's just made you less passive, I would say? Or do you realize you're less passive than other people? (laughs) (laughs) It's only recently been drawn to my attention. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and how did that come about okay there's a few things there's a there's an app that i had or in fact it's it's a chrome extension and it allows you to discover people's disc model so Mm. which a type of person they are and i used to be an influence a strong i but Mm. it tells me now i'm a strong d so dominance so i'm very to the point Mm. get it done move forward like give me full information And give me a demand and I'll get it done. Fluffy stuff irritates me. But I never used to be like that. So I'm not sure where it's come from. And uh, a few people have said to me, 
they've said like Tammy you're really optimistic you have Mm -hmm. such a powerful mindset it's always about growth but there are some people that you really need to avoid and I was thinking Mm. why who are they tell me and uh, there's certain people who may be suffering with maybe depression or anxiety Mm -hmm. I need to be very conscious of them because I come in with this Hey, joy, love life, happy. And they at the moment are struggling and they see me as a, well, why does Tammy have this and I don't? And then they go back into the depression. So I make it worse for them. Mm. Like, I need to be very conscious of what I say. And so I'm still working on it. And I have a team to help me now to just evaluate, is that really what I want to say? I prefer blunt because we kind of brush around subjects we don't want to have the difficult conversations and the reason for that is because we are scared Mm -hmm. it's quite selfish in my perspective when people say to me Tammy you're too blunt you're harsh I'm like well I I find it quite selfish if you don't have these conversations with people to help them realize what's going on to then be fully aware because once there's awareness they'll be searching for some level of change without Mm -hmm. that they stay stuck And I don't think that's fair if I can just say to them, this is what you're doing. This is what I can see. And equally, I want them to say it to me, like when they said, you need to avoid certain people, Tammy. I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. I understand that. I'm going to work on it and just find out how I can be mindful and respectful of certain people, certain groups. But that's because I can take the criticism. So I Mm -hmm. make the foolish assumption that other people can too. So it's a work in progress. But yes, I am quite blunt with certain things. Yeah, I mean, I think it's cool. And it's interesting that you need to avoid people versus them avoiding you. I mean, I can understand what that person's saying. I definitely I've touched on a little bit on this podcast here and there. But people who really know me know that depression has been part of my life for like at least 20 years and and anxiety the last 10 or so for whatever reason. And I understand what the person's saying, because like I know for me, like weight is an issue that. I struggle with and like I know why I don't lose weight and stuff but then I have people in my life who are like oh I lost 50 pounds or oh I lost 20 or oh I'm so fat and it's like well yeah and I weigh 50 pounds more than you so now you're saying you're fat so that means you think I'm even fatter and like it'll do this spiral thing and it's yeah. a weird it's a weird feeling and I'm only sharing this just because someone might have heard that and then wonder I think the idea is that like when you're not strong in a certain area at least for me this is my experience I'm not going to speak for anyone else I take the thing that I feel weak about and I take in their self-criticism as a criticism of me. And that's not on them. That's just on me and how I'm taking the information in. Like, I'm happy for people if they lose weight, but I also go, oh, and I gained 20 pounds and like, I am a horrible person now. And the truth is, first of all, your friends rarely look at you as critically as you look at yourself. But two, them doing something wasn't doing it to you. It was doing it for them. And I think when you have that realization, then you can deal with the emotions, you know, because I constantly will start to spiral and then I'll be like, no, let me, but that's cognitive behavioral therapy models, right? Where you take your thoughts that are causing you to spiral and then you change them to what's realistic. But I would say that I guess people need to know what to avoid if it's triggering them. I've found your emails really pretty cool. So it wasn't a criticism for me. It was just more like, it's interesting because I deal with a lot of very passive people who won't say anything, who have a problem with you, they won't tell you. 
And it's really hard to fix something when someone won't communicate. So I think it's kind of cool that you're just communicating and you're kind of almost, to me, that's encouraging others to do so. Communication to me is a key value. Yeah. Same. So it's bizarre when someone won't, because then you just, you can't fix something if someone won't tell you what it is, what you've done. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, okay, I guess avoidance works, but at some point you're just, you're being the bubble away, doesn't it? If you avoid it, there's resentment there and it just bubbles and it eats at you. So that makes no sense because it's like, well, Mm -hmm. you're actually punishing yourself by avoiding the conversation, but then it's how do you communicate, which is why Mm -hmm. I would have the family table moment because I want to teach my children how to have those rich conversations so that I break the cycle of what we see in society is that we're shying away Mm -hmm. from them because we don't know how to start it. How do you communicate how you feel if you don't know where that feeling is coming from? What's connecting you to that what happened in your past those sort of things so therapy and counseling is phenomenal mm-hmm. i highly recommend it there's still a lot of stigma out there but i think it should be like mandatory everyone should have some level of counseling you'll learn so much about yourself i do too it's hard to be the one person in the group who's getting therapy and trying to grow that way and then no one else is because then it's there's another frustration you almost need to go to therapy because you went to therapy and you're like <laughs> How do I deal with these people who didn't go to therapy? <laughs> you know, because I'm growing. Yeah, I have all this stuff to just like talk through. And then there's this rug that's about eight feet high or something because everything else has been pushed under it. Like these rugs have a lot to hold mm-hmm. underneath them. Yeah. <laughs> you need to find a new group of people that have been through it so that then you each can grow. Like we grow our sur- out, um, grow outside of our circles quite quickly when one person mm-hmm. is really investing in themselves. And so you get pulled back down to their level if you don't um, have a new circle to really just bounce off. Mm-hmm. But that's another topic. <laughs> yeah, it is. I know we have like so many. So just thinking about where you were with doing the like kind of sales and tech roles and where you are now and the impact it's had on your personal life and professional life like what do you think I mean do you feel like you've made the right decision I think but like do you just see how it's just changed your life and your outlook and what you're able to do 100% it was the right thing for me to do and I've grown so much in the last two years more than previously in the corporate role and having that more responsibility and clarity it's certainly allowing me to flourish and I'm working far less and I'm investing mm-hmm. my time, my energy, and my focus in things that are more meaningful. And that's given me a full, rich life. I feel so content with that. That's awesome. Yeah, and that's good. I mean, I, I think that's the thing I'm finding is like a, almost like a baseline is people just find that their life's more full. Yeah. So I want to talk about two things really quick. Can you talk a little bit about your coaching models. I know you do group coaching, which I haven't seen other people do, but can you just talk through a little bit about what you do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I work with what I call great people. They are the ones that are overworked or they're completely uninspired. And so they could be just doing things, consumption, social media. Yes. Yeah, so more than just work. So they're busy people, but they want more meaning in their life, but they just don't know what that really is. So it depends where they're going. There's many different ways in which I can work with them. It could be privately. Most people like privately because they feel that they have a unique problem. So they, that private, fine, not an issue. 
But if you do it in group, you actually get better results because you realize you're not alone. And when someone's going through their breakthrough, a lot of the time, their story, they're awakening you to something in yourself that you weren't, you know, um, prepared to tap into. So you grow on multi-level. So the group one, I run them uh, once every three months and they last for three months. So you have to go on a wait list for that. But I'm skipping one this year. So it's, the next one starts in October. So that one's beautiful and it's only six people. So it's very intimate, but we all go on the journey together and share inspiration. Mm. And there's a set program for that for you to become yellow, where you are fulfilled when I mean, you have your new success model. So you redefine that's what you want it to be. Then I have business support. So it's, it's like a business growth group through masterminding. And I've built a brand new concept. The idea with that is to stop business owners, small business owners from overworking. Mm. We build a team and you skill swap. So it's a beautiful way of working. It's, it's never been done before. I will be leading the way with it. And the goal with that would be to franchise so then other coaches can purchase the business and replicate mm. it. Because then that really changes the small business world. And I feel that people deserve to have more time with their loved ones to enjoy the fruits of their labor and not be stuck in 80 hours per week trying to make their business grow because that is ineffective. Mm -hmm. So there's, yeah, there's three different ways that people can work with me individually, depending on where their journey's going. We have different programs for that. We can do it group based and uh, we could also do it for just businesses only. Cool. That's great. Yeah. Thanks for talking through that. And, and then your podcast that you have, let's just chat about that really quick because maybe people want to hear another podcast that with you. Yeah, absolutely. So it's called Success Talks. I realized there's loads of them called Success Talks. So if you want to find it, you need to type in Success Talks, Tammy Whalen Blake, and then I will appear. <laughs> the idea of that is because I want to redefine what success means. And it's almost like what yours is, like more than work. Yeah, there are other more than works also, and I didn't realize really? that. So yeah, yeah, so I get it. Oh, when I typed in yours, you popped up at the top. So that was good, you know. Hey. Yeah, so you're, you're number one. Uh, mine doesn't appear. So you have to really type in my name. But yeah, so it's redefining what success means. But the only way I work with people who go onto the podcast is that they write an article for the Yellow Magazine. So I have a magazine, which was my way of doing something different to a newsletter. And it's about building that yellow community. So whoever's listening, whatever your story is, get in touch with me because mm -hmm. your story can inspire positive change in someone else. And so we help you write the story. It then goes through a copywriter because we understand not everyone has to be a writer. <laughs> That's a skill. <laughs> and then you would get onto the podcast and so dive deeper into who you are and, and what did you learn. So similar setup to this, more than work. Uh, but yeah, check it out. Share your thoughts with, with me. It'd be wonderful to hear other people's perspective. But there's definitely more to, to life than work. And we yeah. all grow on the back of uh, redefining what success actually means. Yeah, awesome. And yeah, and I'll link to the podcast in the show notes too. So people will be able to find it for sure. All right. Well, do you have like any advice or mantra that you like to share? I mean, you've shared a lot, but like just is there some thing that you kind of really like that you want to share with the audience there is one that stuck with me from a young age and it's from the book feel the fear and do it anyway suzanne mm -hmm. jeffries and that mantra sticks with me 
because I, I have like heart palpitations and my palms sweat. My neck mm. goes really red when I'm when I'm nervous and I forget to breathe. That's what it is. I, <laughs> I get too excited. I forget to breathe. <laughs> Quite important. And so feel the fear, do it anyway. So the fear is there, but go for it and fail. I actually aim to fail a lot of the time because when you fail, you learn and grow. And I'm much better at just going for things and learning rather than read a textbook, think about it and then try it. Just go all in. And so what was really helpful in terms of the advice, when you're writing your goals, if it's really scary for you, put in there to fail at and then finish Mm. the goal because that takes away the pressure from perfecting it. You're not meant to make it perfect. It's just the fact that you're trying and you're breaking down that fear. Uh, So you're like, cool, I'll just fail at it. But what you'll find after you've achieved it is that you've learned so much and you can evolve that goal to the next thing. And what you do is train yourself to just go for things and trust that you will figure it out. And that's the same if it's your health, if it's about your wealth, it's about your family, friends, whatever it is. You will evolve at pace by doing it that way. Hmm. Cool. I like that. So I asked a series of questions at the end of each interview called the fun five. And so here we go. What's the oldest t-shirt you have and still wear? Yeah. So I think what I had done some years ago is changed my style to have things that are like, it will never go out of fashion. Mm. Plain and simple because that was my way of getting over the consumerism. Yeah. If you're in that trap of getting the latest fashion. You don't stop. And you spend loads of money and you spend time in the shops and watching what other people have. So you go, oh, she looks cute. I want that outfit because I'm not good enough. So I stopped Mm -hmm. doing that of these are the cute little things I like and I can accessorize them so they're not time stamped. So I think that's why I don't have an old one is that they've just all been around for a long time. My entire wardrobe. (laughs) Nice. Do you have a favorite thing that you wear? No, I love no. all of them. They're all well selected. Good. For different weathers as well. Oh God! Well, here, jeez, yeah, in Bristol, I think even more than here, the weather. I, I've been to Bristol like three times, and all three times it rained the whole time. Oh. And then my friends are just like, "It's oh, you, man." Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, usually I get blamed for bringing sunshine from California, but to Bristol I bring the rain. Well, you're not welcome. <laughs> don't worry i can't travel there all right so if every day was really groundhog's day like people have been saying you know it's just like every day is kind of the same because we Mm. all stay home and all that what song would you have your alarm clock set to play in the morning oh waka by shakira oh nice okay so positive and it's got a nice bounce to it and for whatever reason i feel like i need to jump up and down like i'm riding a horse (laughs) <laughs> so that'll get you out of bed yes i'm like jumping around and i love it um to the point now i i started to dance to it in front of my niece who's six years old it's now mm-hmm. her favorite and she plays it on right. repeat and she's uh, like tell me do you remember the time that you threw your head forward and you're doing this and like to her it was such a magical moment because i was high on energy when i started to dance yeah. to it and i cannot help myself but move my body so it has to be that song Mm-hmm. No, I get that. I, I don't know. For some reason, Dua Lipa is like the one who's just resonated with me now of that. I feel like it's a similar like kind of vibe. Like Spotify would be like, oh, yeah, we'll play you Shakira because we played you Dua Lipa so yeah. much. But like it's the same. I use like levitating just to pump me up now. Mm-hmm. It's like pre whatever. I'm just like, all right, this is pre party, you know. 
I mean, not that we party. It's like, oh, this is pre-drinks home alone. But yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. cool. Pre-party <laughs> is you waking up in the morning and you're like, yeah, it's a great day. Let's dance. <laughs> you just start your day in a better mood than, oh, yeah. I have to get up. I've got to yeah. go to work. Yeah. Nice. All right, cool. Well, that'll be on the Spotify playlist the week this goes. It will. No, I have a, I actually made a playlist of all the songs people say. So it's, it's a bit weird because some of, you know, it's all different stuff, but it's kind of fun. So send me the link. I'd, I'd like yeah. to listen. Play all right, me. cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. So very important coffee or tea or neither. Okay. I could lie to you and say neither, but the truth is I have an addiction to coffee at the moment and I know coffee to my core is not good yeah. for us. I'm, I'm, we're going to have a wake up one day and the science is going to say coffee is actually really bad for us because it puts us in that high cortisol level. And it's like, we've got this spike of like alert, yeah. full alertness. And I know that I've created a bad habit for myself. And so yeah. I'm addicted to it and I need to get off it, but I'm not ready to. <laughs> I know. Well, no, you know what? <laughs> I know. I have coffee every day. I just had two cups while we were here, and that's sp- supposed to be all I have today. So what I do, though, is I always make it an afternoon also. So I have this similar thing. And I can tell you one thing that helped. I bought this super dark roast from Marks & Spencer. I didn't like it. I, I like dark sometimes, but not that one. It was gross, <laughs> and it did. I did cut down on my coffee that week. Oh, because Buy horrible coffee is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. And then... You know, at least you know you can, so you feel good about like, well, I know I can stop. <laughs> because it was bad. I hated okay. it. <laughs> so that's my advice on that. I can't help with any other thing but that one. Can you think of a time like you laughed so hard you cried or just something that makes you just cut up and you kind of can't stop? Yeah, so there's not a time that springs to mind like recently or a thing that I think of and that makes me laugh. But I do have this incredible memory of me and my friend we were going to sleep the lights were turned off and we were reminiscing about I don't know just things with our friends and we were laughing hard to the point we were crying and sweating it was non-stop and he didn't have to say the words and it's not like I could see him because the room was dark Mm -hmm. it was almost like I knew what he was thinking by the pitch of his laughter (laughs) <laughs> and then I was synchronized, and then I'm trying to say something about something that links to it, and he would understand it. It was like such an, a weird, intimate, deep energy connection between us mm-hmm. that we couldn't stop ourselves. And I felt like this intense connection with him in that moment. And Mm -hmm. I I always think about that. And I, I maybe other people can do this too. Is just when you're with your friends. And you're reminiscing, try and do it with the lights out, remove one of your senses, and you can appreciate the level of your relationship with that person. It's quite a spiritual practice, I'll say. And I'm not a spiritual person. Yeah, no, that's interesting. So even like I shared a room with my sister growing up till we were like, I mean, I got my own room when it was like three months before going to college or maybe six months, something like that, right? Like, and uh, yeah, there's that idea that you can just start laughing. And it's, that's really cool. Yeah, I love that. That's great. All right, last one. Who inspires you right now? Oh, Brene Brown. I love her. She's amazing. She's so genuine. I love her voice. The way she asks questions, the way she tells stories. I think that that there's lots of speakers out there 
that are male. And mm-hmm. and I know this to be true, that there's a stat out there that men prefer listening to men because they've got more authority or that's how it's perceived. They don't really speak, uh, listen to many women. But Brene Brown is definitely one of those, gains respect no matter who you are, where you are. She is phenomenal, an incredible mm-hmm. lady. And her podcast, she brings some interesting people uh, to the mix that really wake us up. The one I listened to most recently was called Difficult Conversations with a Black Man. And that title, I was like, wow, I need to listen to that podcast. I want to know these questions they ask so that we can break down what we think we know to move forward. But I suppose that comes back to the communication because it's a key value of mine. Mm -hmm. That makes sense that I want to figure that out and improve myself so that I can have those difficult conversations with a black man. You know, there's probably things I'm shying away from that I don't realize. Sure. Yeah, totally. And no, she's super. I mean, Gifts of Imperfection, that book, for anyone who hasn't read it, I mean, it did change my life, truly. And I do have to read it again. I mean, I started reading it again, actually, recently, and then I just stopped reading. But yeah, perfect. So is there anything, and we talked about your practice and kind of how you do coaching and stuff but is there anything you want to specifically tell people hey if you want to check me out go look at this yeah so i would say if you want to check me out you know you can find me on all social platforms go to yellow you can find Mm -hmm. me using that in the search terms but the one thing i'd say is go check out the yellow magazine Mm -hmm. read that there's always something new coming out and it's an evolution so you'll get to understand what it's like to live a yellow world and the different avenues that you can take. And you might want to take part as well. So we're always looking for people to contribute their stories. Well, thanks so much, Tammy. This has been really just a lot of fun talking to you. Thank yeah, you for sharing. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. And thank you to everyone that's listening. Thanks again for listening this week. You can find out more about the guest in the show notes and at RabiaSaid.com. Joe Mafia created the music just for this podcast. Find him on Spotify. That's Joe, M-A-F-F-I-A. And Rob Metke is responsible for our visual design. You can find him online by searching for Rob, M-E-T-K-E. Thanks, Rob. Let me know who you'd like to hear from or about your own experiences defining yourself outside of work. Follow at More Than Work Pod or send a message on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Or visit our website, morethanworkpod.com. Give us a follow on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts, and leave a review if you like. Thanks for listening to More Than Work. While being kind to others, don't forget to be kind to yourself. Mm